0: And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com, joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com, and True Specs, Chris McCormick. We are, well I should say, Tursky and I are coming to you live.
1: We're joined by the earbuds right from,
0: now. Dude, why, why did you have to bring that up? We're going to you live from Bandon. Tursky and I left my earbuds in, in my golf bag, and my golf bag's over at Sheep Ranch, uh, First World Problems, so we are sharing an earbud Going it's, the old school bus route yeah hopefully hopefully none of you guys school, are, are screenshotting this <laughs> um, right now producer Mark Chris please don't screenshot it's this it's uh, it's a heart it's a heartwarming picture two gear guys sharing earbuds Chris what are you uh, doing you
2: back from Hawaii yet uh, no I am uh, I'm still in Hawaii actually oh I fly back
0: are you still on Hawaiian time or are you still there
2: oh I am both. I'm still on Hawaiian time and <laughs> still here. I fly back later on today, so still uh, getting golfing out there, or is it pure vacation? No, moment? this was uh, this was a no golf trip. Didn't even bring sticks. All the all the good golf out here to be yeah, played, and kinda... I have yet to set foot on a golf course. A little sad, but at the same time, just yeah, we, totally we, we kind of figured, except for you guys. I have to do the pod.
0: Yeah, more 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 time for my ties. That's it. Yeah. Plenty well, of high tie tie. You didn't do it last week, but you had a you had a you had a good excuse. Happy, belated 39th Thank birthday. You. Thank you. That's uh kinda 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 sort of a biggie, but it's always good to have you back on the pod. We've uh we've had we've got some good content cooking here from, from Bandon. We've got we've got an and I I'll say it. It's 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 gonna be an all timer interview.
1: All time interview. Are yeah. we saying the guest
0: Harry Higgs. Why not? We got man, Harry, the myth, we got man, the myth, the legend, Harry Higgs. He was awesome. I mean, even, even better than we expected. I, you know, and I will say this from having spent some time with, with Harry, we, we played, uh, I was paired up with him yesterday over at band dunes,
1: band and dunes,
0: you, you know, I would struggle to find a, a more real and authentic tour pro than Harry Higgs, um, you know we we had some we had some really great conversations yesterday, but I just walked away like realizing he's he's just like one of the guys. Yep. But not not in like a you know trying too hard to be funny sort of way. Like there's more to Harry Higgs than just like the public persona that you see. Um, you know the the shirt buttoned all the way down to like the last button and the sunglasses and you know the jovial manner. Like he he is. He's as real as it comes, like talking about, you know, hoping to be out here for 20 years, but also realizing that he needs to to like save for the future. He still drives the same car that his dad bought him in 2012. I just I love those stories. You don't hear enough of them. I feel like tour pros sometimes as they become more popular and they they start to taste success, they sort of compartmentalize like that part of their life. Um, some of them just don't want to really remember their roots as much, um, is, is what I'm trying to say, but Harry definitely embraces his roots, like where he came from. And, uh, and it's, it's cool. It's just really, it, I think it comes through in the interview for sure. We we talked about gear. We also talked about band and you asked some questions about buddies trips, just again, cool interview. I think, I think everybody's going to enjoy it, but yeah, Harry guy's guy.
1: What was it like playing with him? How's his game?
0: His game's, his game's good. I mean, he, he probably could have. He shot, he shot four under, probably could have shot, you know, seven or eight easy. He had a couple of, like, easy birdie putts that just burned the edge. And he doesn't play this golf course all the time. The one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, it was whipping. You I mean, you you got, you got were out there. It was no joke, yeah. man. It was on the back gusting nine. at, like, 40. Yeah, on the back nine at Bandon, it was whipping. I mean, a true Bandon experience. And this guy's out there into the teeth of the wind blowing you know 30 plus and he's like man he looks over to me and goes I love this I love this and I'm just like you are a psychopath no no sane golfer talks like this except for tour pros and this guy who just loves to flight it through the wind he grew up in Kansas City he just there's something about like tour pros where they you know and he even talked about this on the on the pod interview just kind of getting up for the like the when the level of difficulty cranks up mm-hmm. he like takes it to another another level and it was just fun to watch but uh but yeah he just had good talks he played some good golf you know he even gave me a, a couple of tips out on the golf course that helped thank you Harry, if you're out there listening um it, yeah, it was just cool just uh kind of walking with one of your buds
1: I thought – I was impressed with what he said about accepting the challenge of wind because if I feel a breath of wind on the first team, I'm like, this is going to be a long one.
0: You know, (laughs) throw the hat
1: low. We're grinding it out today, boys.
0: Yeah. I mean, Chris, do you like playing in the wind? Are you a wind player?
2: I grew up – I mean, not to compare myself to – to Harry at all, but grew up in the Midwest, grew up playing a lot of golf in Missouri and Kansas and Chicago. I was about to
0: say, yeah, you're a Midwest so guy the, too. Uh,
2: yeah, the wind doesn't bother me too much. I hate, hate playing in the rain. The rain is my absolute least favorite condition to play in by far.
0: Who likes playing in the rain, though? Oh. Yeah. Who likes playing oh, in the rain? Some, I don't even know guys out there from, like, the that'll, uh,
2: that'll be able to grind out some numbers in the rain. I am not
0: one of them. His so. mutter's a mutter. <laughs> <laughs> some butters, I love it. Well, all right. So we're, we are, bandon has been awesome. We played 36 yesterday, played Bandon and Trails. We're going to tee it up for another 36 today. Going Pacific Dunes, Sheep Ranch, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. I've heard a lot of good things. Everyone so,
1: talks very highly about Sheep Ranch. I was very impressed with uh, Bandon Trails.
0: Yes, that's my favorite. Mm. It's, it's one of those, you either love it or you hate it, but I, I've actually kind of converted some people.
1: I can't imagine hating that course. You're just back in. Well, I think everybody wants tall, the like pine
0: trees abandoned experience, though. we were know? talking.
1: It had that a uh, pine valley feel.
0: It it definitely did. Somebody said it was pine valley, but if pine valley, you know, didn't have the you know difficulty cranked all the way to mm-hmm. ten, like it, it is playable. So it's fun golf course if you've never been abandoned. I would definitely recommend getting out here. Although I heard that they are all the way booked up through 2022 and they're already starting to book out for 2023, wow. which is, nuts. which is, which you is plan nuts. a
1: trip two years in advance. I don't know. You can't get people to commit to, well, I think, I think nowadays
0: with, with, with all the pent up demand for, for travel after, you know, the lockdown started to lift. I think everybody just wants to get back out there and, and, you know, make up for lost time and get those buddy trips that they probably had taken away because of COVID. So, um yeah it's a great place to get out to we've had a lot of fun there's a reason why we're out here we're out here with TaylorMade, i'm mm-hmm. um, getting a rundown on some new gear one of the products we will talk about a little bit i uh, can't get into the details but we can at least tease it because it's now out on tour oh come on jay Wall, yeah, give us all the details i'm not gonna i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> I, I like my job um but first things first we got to talk about this story man came out of nowhere we're on the shuttle last night and what am i doing I'm combing through Getty Images. The King I'm trying of Getty, even see, on the shuttle trying back from to see, band and after playing after 36. After playing 36, after getting up at 6 a.m. on the 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. bus ride back, I am I am combing through Getty Images. And what do I see? Roy McIlroy with a Scotty Cameron putter.
1: He's back.
0: Yeah. They're, I don't know what's going on, man. Somebody said that that Taylor TaylorMade doesn't have jurisdiction over <laughs> – over in Tokyo for the Olympics, which really that was like, that's an all time comment right there.
1: Is there anything to that though? Like, does it matter with the sanct- non sanctioned events that aren't like PGA tour? I'm sure they have something in the contracts where, you know, if you're playing in an exhibition, it doesn't fall under the scene. That's,
0: that's a really good question. And, and actually I did think about that last night when I was looking at the photo. Cause it's like the timing of it does seem mm-hmm. odd you know, the week of the Olympics, and here's Rory with a putter. Now, the putter is one that you've seen before. It's that chromatic bronze. Yep. Um, it, it, face. It's, a, it's a putter that he has used. Um, it looks a lot like the one that he used to win the U.S. Open. Um, it, it's, it's a putter that's he's had success with. Um, you know, obviously, Rory hasn't putted all that well. Has been playing that um, well, in yeah, general, really. yeah. No, you're right, and it hasn't just been the putter, but you know, it, it all seems to come back to the putter because he is such a great striker of the golf ball. Uh, he's so good off the tee, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one, man. Um, I, you know, there aren't a whole lot of details, obviously. You know, Taylor May's not going to say anything. Scotty Cameron can't because you know, Rory's not on staff. But we can. <laughs> but we can. Yeah, it's it it, again, it's an interesting story just simply because it's a putter that Rory's had success with. I kind of liken it to when Tiger was when Tiger was using, uh, you know, you know, he tried other putters when he went to Nike. Um, You know, he he even used heck, he even used uh, a heel shaft mallet at yeah. one point he used a method for years he used um, a method for years i don't think yeah. he
1: got any major wins with one though. no
0: he never did it was always with the scotty you're right um you know and even used some tailor putters when he did you know, he used yeah. one of the
1: ardmore he had a yep. mallet in there yeah
0: so he's he's used some different models but the reason i liken it to that is is there seemed to be this like large outcry for tiger to go back to the cameron when he wasn't having success like he's got to go back to the scotty uh and when he did it was like oh my gosh he's gonna win again Mm -hmm. and it was the same kind of feeling that i got when i posted those photos a lot of the comments were like rory's gonna win 10 majors now simply because he went back to this to this putter you know not
1: striking it that great well i think it's more one of those like let me get something back in the bag that's comfortable yep let me get some confidence going um this is a actually kind of a good question for chris like, how do you deal with say you fit someone for a new putter? How long do you let them kind of rock with the with the fitted putter if they're not playing well? Where finally it's like, okay, let's just go back to the old flame and see if we could get something going again.
2: I mean, it really. I mean, with most things, it just depends on the guy. I mean, you see, you see people that have putter rotations like you know, some guys change their shoes or change their. Uh, wedges or anything there's uh there's some guys out there that have a a consistent rotation two three four different designs and then you have people like zach johnson that just never really change things it's i mean it just depends on the player uh i mean i can speak from some personal experiences i've had with players and having that exact same conversation where they may have three different designs very very similar characteristics as far as weight goes as far as optics go but just could be some different shapes could be a different hosel configuration could be firmer face or uh, something that has a milled face versus an insert so on and so forth uh, just to give them a little different look little different feel uh, depending upon the turf grass they're playing on uh, could have a little different loft Uh, it just it just depends on the guy how techy they want to get? How in their head they want to get? As far as oh, this putter's not working, needs to go in timeout. And I even had uh, I even had <laughs> a player uh, talk to me about his timeout closet. He had a uh, he had a rotation of four different
0: <laughs> a whole
1: closet dedicated. Was to was say, wait, yeah, not,
0: not like a timeout putter, but a, a timeout, timeout closet. closet.
2: So when a club uh, was no longer performing up to his expectations, he would put it in the closet. And get something out that he had had previous success with. Oh my
0: gosh! So, yeah, I... have you. Have you, ever, have you ever considered that? Like you know, you like you're punishing your clubs by. I mean, I I certainly have where it's like you put a putter away and you're like screw you, bud. Like you, you're you like literally you're in timeout. I'm not gonna be using you for the next couple of rounds. You're gonna have to earn your way back into the bag um i think my yeah. trunk is just the timeout <laughs> i got a lot of clubs back there in the trunk once they go
1: out of the bag and i have like 23 clubs in my bag right now you got to really perform badly <laughs> to get kicked out of the lineup right now but
0: oh my gosh sometimes you got to
1: put a club in timeout. Yeah. you know yeah. you don't always want to snap it because then you got to reshaft it when you want to actually put it back in You kind of feel like an idiot and Whoa. it's like dang why did i bend that like i really liked it yeah you try to match the specs back it's and it's never, never the quite same. the same so don't, don't break, break it. it just get get yourself a timeout yeah, timeout
2: time closet. closet get a timeout time gear closet. bag timeout trunk don't break it
0: wow that's uh that's a new one for me i might have to to start subscribing to the timeout closet and put my entire bag in there <laughs>
1: are you a club breaker do we have
0: club breakers on this podcast? No. Never nah, broken a club. I, I had one experience, and my dad, my dad uh, scared me straight. So it was literally one golf club, and, and that was that.
1: I bent one by accident one time. I, was, I hit my foot with my putter.
0: Well, that's man. not an accident. Like you're. It's I didn't mean to. I
1: didn't mean to break it though, and it didn't feel like I. Well, what really did you went think was going to
0: happen when you when you like swung your club at your foot? But the shaft the shaft
1: bent so bad it was unplayable, and I had nine holes left to play. It was like a college qualifier. Oh. And I'm like, oh man, like, what did I just do to myself? So I went with the wedge on the back nine. Didn't go oh, great. Don't think I qualified man. for that event.
0: Oh, Sorry, coach. That's funny. By the way, did you see the Rutgers bag? Over yes, abandoned?
1: I talked to the guy, Adam, Rabin- Adam Rabinovitz. Shout out Adam. He actually was a uh, – he's been a donor for the team throughout the years. That's wild. Yep. Did he know you? And it was funny. He was actually texting with my college coach, who was like the last semester of uh, my time at Rutgers. We had four different coaches. It was kind of a mess. But wow. the last coach we had, Rob Schutte, he's been turning the program around. We're, we're doing a great job now. He's got the team uh, successful for once. Um, so like shout to out Rob Shooty And he was texting him at the time, so we sent my coach a, a selfie. That's awesome. And- <laughs> I love it. It's
0: <laughs> like, too funny. It's sm- small world. I, but I did. I saw that bag and I was like, do hope hope. hope. Tursky sees that because that i figured it was like either somebody who had gone to school or maybe it was maybe it was one of your former college teammates
1: and i just saw a royce brook bag which is just a random course in new jersey that i kind of grew up i lived near there i had a range membership there growing up i used to just grind nonstop there we played two years um on my high school team that was our home course someone just has a royce brook bag down there it's like what is this uh New Jersey homecoming event. I think so. I think a lot of
0: people <laughs> from Jersey did make the uh, make the trek all the way over here to to Bandon to play. I, a lot of people do from all over the it's a special place. Well, it is. It is truly. Special. I'm impressed
1: with Bandon. I was I was kind of nervous because you know you build up these these trips in your head. It's like what if it doesn't live up to it? And it's that and more. in My opinion.
0: So oh yeah, far. yeah. It's it's been it's it's phenomenal. I've been here before. I was I think I was more excited for you. Making the trip here that because it's like it's it's cool to be able to to share it with people that haven't been to Bandon before just just because it is such a spe- it's a, such a special place, mm-hmm. um, you know. And there's it's it's neat to be able to play 36 one day and then do it again the next. And uh, we are we're playing 90 holes of golf in three days. Be ripping. Yeah. Advil. Today. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my <laughs> uh, my body was in a lot of pain last night. Um, my whoop, uh, the, I have a whoop strap, and the strain level was at 18.8, and I was like, usually 18.8 is if I'm, like, working out really hard on the on like the Peloton or like going for a long distance run, and then working outside and like chasing kids around. It's it's not just, you know, 18 holes of golf, but that, that trails, that mm-hmm. uh, that back nine at trails is is no joke when it comes to just the undulations. But it it is fun place. How many uh, steps did the whoop say you had? You know, it I don't doesn't, really track It that. doesn't tell you how many steps, although I saw one of the guys said that he took uh, almost 29,000 wow. steps. Um, I burned 4,600 calories, 4,600 calories yesterday. It made dinner taste a whole lot better, um, especially when you're crushing you know, protein bars and stuff during the round just to try and keep your blood sugar up. Um, not to mention the waters, but um, and the Tito's. Yeah, oh, the Tito's. well, so, well, we won't talk about that. It's uh, a band-in trip. <laughs> it is, it is a banded trip. We, we we're we're having some fun. That's that's the only thing that matters here. It doesn't matter about the scores. Um, so okay, so we got Rory. The other like I you know it was pretty quiet week. You know we're kind of in that weird time of the year where it's like Olympics and some guys are playing majors are over. We nine months until the next major. Um, the other interesting change was Tony Fee you know, Finau is one of those guys where he's been using a Peretti putter um, for a while. You know, he used that one, if you'll recall, uh, just based on, like, how much of a significant forward lean he has, you know, all that forward press in his putter um, where uh, where Mike Johnson from Paretti insert the hosel. Remember that one in mm-hmm. the back flange? Uh, you know, we've seen uh, Charles Schwartzel use a PXG putter kind of similar to, to – Sort of help out with that with that severe forward press. I mean, you know, Phil Mickelson did major forward press for a long time, but he did it with that little eighty-eight oh two. But Tony decides that he wants to try arm lock, and yeah, so he tries arm lock with a ping putter. Now this is an interesting one because ping, when they signed Tony, um, most ping deals, not most, all ping deals, require you to play the putter. That's part of the deal. You got to play a ping putter. I did not know that. Yep. Yeah. So what was interesting about Tony's deal is that was the first deal that did not require putter, and so
1: what did he do? He like
0: so he was he was you know did a thirteen, 13, deal. 13 club, but they didn't require the putter. Now they said, you know, we hope to get Tony in the putter, but for right now it's more important to sign Tony, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like Ping's, Smart move. pink sort of changed the way that they've done things. You know, they're still. Um, pretty traditional and they've had a whole lot of success you know just looking at the guys that they've signed a lot of guys that have played their product growing up um, they've got an awesome grassroots program obviously their collegiate program it really kind of started it all um, you know Carson Saul saw the value of, of partnering with a uh, with a school like Oklahoma State um, everyone's kind of gone that yeah and everybody too, exactly everybody does grooming it. the younger golfers yep, but ping was the really the first to do that so um, anyway so Ping's been trying to get Tony in the putter, but he's been still using Pretty. So they um, they start trying to work with Tony, and he, you know, starts working with Armlock, doesn't really like it. Uh, they tried five or six head options. I talked to Kenton notes. We talked to Kenton all the time when it comes to, you know, Ping and gear. He's, he's Friend there, of the show. Know, friend of the show, Tour rep for him, awesome guy. Um, you know, and, and they just quickly realized that the extra offset, you know, even though Armlock didn't work. The extra offset in the, you know, you, you call it an L-neck, plumber's neck, hosel. You know, pretty traditional on an answer. Realized that that kind of allowed him to set his hands more neutral at address. And, you know, for a guy like Tony, it, it kind of doesn't force him to put in that extra forward press. And, and that was pretty much all he needed. He went into a ping answer to D. The D is for deep. Um, it's the putter that Bubba Watson uses. It's, um, you know, if, if you're like kind of compared to something, Odyssey one wide. Um, you know, is is a pretty pretty standard comparison right there. Just a wider flange on the back. It kind of gives you a little bit more stability, um, but in in a blade putter. So Tony goes with a more traditional answer. Uh, he also went flatter, and this is one that I wanted to talk to to Chris about. Uh, Tony went flatter. He they said he went two degrees flatter with with his putter with his putter to help with hand position. Now that's not one that I typically hear a whole lot about. I mean, kinda of talk about the correlation between, you know, <clears throat> going flatter versus, you know, trying to get your hands in a better position when you're when you're kind of maybe trying to dial in the putter.
2: I'd be I would definitely want a little bit more information on that, talking to them to see what they were trying to achieve. I mean, as we talked about before with putting, you start to make lie angle changes, it also starts to manipulate how the face looks. So it could be something that as they went flatter and potentially open that face up a little bit, changed his hand position to allow him to free up his release or, I mean, any number of things could have been achieved by going with that flatter lie angle. So if he had a particular miss or just his visual perception with that particular shape uh, could have been kind of leading to that lie angle change and, I would definitely want to talk to Kenton and see what was happening, why that hand position change was a result of lie angle. So, I mean, it could have been something, like I said, that he had a particular miss left or just visually looked like the putter was closed and flattening out that lie angle did give him an opportunity to adjust hand position and release the putter a little more freely. So without without having all the information, it'd be kind of difficult to say yes. This is exactly why he did it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Does yeah. a heavy forward press make putter fitting really difficult on fitters?
2: I mean, not necessarily. It's I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's how does the the player visually kind of process information with the shape, with the optics, uh, also with the neck design, and then ultimate objective is what's going to stabilize that club face and return it to square as it comes back through impact. So I mean there's a couple of different things or I should say a lot of different things that we'll test through a putter fitting just to kind of get that club face zeroed out coming back through impact. And that might be, you know, accommodating the forward press or it might be something that is taking a little bit of it out just by different neck and hosel configurations.
1: Would you say in general people who don't have a forward press putt better or worse than people who do? Oh man. That's tough. Impossible yeah, it's a question, dead. but you know.
0: You're putting them on the spot here. Though. I mean, if <laughs> anyone knows the <laughs> answer, it's probably it would be it would be Chris. No, I get you. No, I would say that you look
2: characteristically, I'd say the majority if I had to categorize of your better, more consistent putters are going to have some degree of forward press. I'm just
1: putting a forward press in my putting stroke from now on.
0: He's going to do it today. At, uh, I'm going to overdo it, at though. At Sheep Ranch. I can't, so I, can't, I can't wait to see how that uh, – I'm just going to be driving
2: I, the ball right into the ground. So much fun. It's press. a tough question, though, because, I mean, there's so many different ways to get it done on the putting green. And it, there's so many different styles out there that have been successful. I mean, it, now we're seeing this trend with arm lock, like we've talked about for the last several weeks. And I've had three guys reach out, no joke, three guys reach out in the last two weeks while I've been on vacation just going, hey, uh, so what's going on with this arm lock? Any chance we could do some testing and take a look when you get back? So it's like, you know, okay, is this something that's now going to be the new anchored putter trend? Or are we going to see guys that are you know, making this change just to, to test it out, or is this going to be something that until it gets banned, something that we see a, a big push with players
0: yeah
1: i really think it's gonna be banned so soon like it's coming everyone's gonna switch
0: but there's i feel like there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of issues and i agree with you i I think it's coming too but there are a lot of of you know questionable gear you know i'm I'm going back to like the bryson like the 48 48 inch going down to like capping it at 46. Uh, you know, the, now we possibly have, I mean, do they get rid of, of, of arm lock putting? It's, yeah, I agree. There, there are some that are just kind of laying there in the weeds. I, I that I think are probably going to become more realistic here in the not too distant future. Plus we're still waiting on, uh, on distant distance insight report from the USGA. You know, they, they talked about coming out with, uh, with some, you know, responses to a lot of these questions that they were kind of bring forth to the manufacturers and, and also to the players. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, there's even talk of the, you know, kind of potential bifurcation for, you know, local events, allowing them to sort of, you know, come up with their own set of rules if they wanted, which I just think is, like, super dicey. Here's the best solution
1: <laughs> I have. Hickory tournament out here <laughs> at Bandon every other week of the year. Just let, let them rock.
0: Uh, so many people would quit golf if they had to play this golf course with hickories. I, I, Maybe unless you're playing it from the forward tees.
1: Yeah, forward tees, balladaballs, oh, hickory, hickory clubs, like, seven Tersky, drivers. Tursky's like,
0: like so woke. He's like the woke gear guy right now. He wants, you know, hickories and balladas and, you know, forward it's tees. It's just one week. And,
1: uh, it's just one. I think it would be my super entertaining. My eye is Probably one of the most watched it's non non <laughs> <maybe. laughs> His
2: eye started to twitch. I'm a tick.
0: love it. I'm getting a tick. Oh gosh. Well, okay. Last last gear, one. We're gonna wrap it for uh, for this week before we get to the interview. Um, we are with TaylorMade. There's a product out here that's now on tour. MG3 wedge. So we can talk about it a little bit. Well, Matthew Wolf used three of them. At, you say wolf. At, wolf. Yeah. Wolf. Wolf.
1: You know how to pronounce the L?
0: Wolf. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say woof like it's like, like a a dog. I, I, I heard woof. I, I,
2: I heard woof. <laughs> I, I was just gonna roll with it.
0: Wow. And, ge- and look, this guy, sees, he's he's are sitting we're, See? She, we're sharing earbuds right here. And I couldn't be like, sitting closer. I, he looked at I me mean, and he barked. Literally we're like a you know, an arm's length apart here and he still can't hear me. Matthew <laughs> Wolf. There it is. Woof. I know him. Matthew Woof. So he put the wedges <laughs> he in. put the, the point wedges is. in the bag man this went off the rails. Um, yeah he, he put the wedges in the bag um, we've seen photos of them now seen him in person Seen him in person um, hit him in person hit him in person and we did we did Played
1: the preserve abandon yeah the wedges, with, with the actually. new
0: wedges they they are clean. If somebody were to ask me the the big difference, you know obviously <sighs> we can't talk too much about that but the one thing that I can say is if you look at it compared to mg2 the the overall head to me looks cleaner it looks more minimalist to me you know there was there was kind of like the you know the the two kind of on the back of the head still had um more visual tech mm-hmm. this one just feels like they kind of conceal it a little bit better um at least to me it felt that way it just it's i kind of see you know and we're gonna the you know jj from Titleist. you know pronounce his last name for me
1: no i'm good. uh shout out <laughs> jj from Titleist. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. We are terrible. We are terrible <laughs> human beings. But, uh, you know, Titleist is going to to more, you know, concealing their, their tech instead of making it very visual, and a, especially a lot of their better player products. And a lot I'm of kind these of, companies are going that way. Yeah. Simple, modern, yep.
1: Yeah. minimalist. Yep. If you look down on the face, it might look a little bit different on these MG3s. Yeah. I'll say no more, but the ball yeah. spins pretty well.
0: Ball spins. Yeah. The ball definitely spins. So... Wolf has them. Wolf, however you want me to say it, Tursky. Um, the wedges look good. We, we tested them. We'll, we'll give you more details. We have some more testing coming. A couple of, a couple of other tests that I'd like to, to run with these when we uh, aren't abandoned. But yeah, it was fun. We've got some new wedges coming. It's we're almost near product season, which is crazy to me. We're getting we're gearing there. up for it. I know. Pun intended. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Chris, real wow. quick. You
1: got any tips for playing in the wind? Your boy's been struggling, ballooning the ball. Any
2: tips for playing in the wind? Me, I'm struggling.
0: I thought he was talking about me, and no, I'm like, I'm dude, I almost struggled. Me in the being wind. your boy. <laughs> uh, a lot,
2: a lot of people try and fight it. A lot of, uh, a lot of players will will try and fight the wind. And the the biggest advice that I can give people is is play the wind. So whether that be left to right, right mm. to left, it, it adjust your shot shape to play the wind accordingly. And there's a lot of players that overthink it and try and oh, I'm gonna hit this fade and let it ride the wind. I'm gonna hit this bad. draw and Dude, I'm
1: gonna overthink it. You just said don't overthink it. I'm yeah, overthink that's it. It. most people do.
0: <laughs> You're gonna overthink the wind. You're gonna be forward pressing. So let, let it go.
1: go. Normal swing. Let it go. Let the wind that's do it. its job. Okay.
2: I've been I've been fighting. Yeah, most most people do. I I love the players that get out there and oh I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this draw and hold it up against the wind. I'm like oh are you? Let's see this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you're gonna do, bud Yeah, let's say oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flight oh this one gosh. down. Yeah, let's see this shot. I can't wait. Like we're gonna hit a high lofted iron well, dead into a, a 30 mile an hour sustained wind. We're gonna flight it. Okay, let's let's see this.
0: Okay, thank you for the tips. All right. Well, on that note, now the Turski got his tips. Let's get into this week's interview. We had a chance to talk to Title's Tour Rep J.J. Van Wassenbeek. <laughs> You know what? You're making me laugh. You're just standing over here looking at me, and, and I don't appreciate I tried that. I try not to look. I was it was just to it was, that, that's at that's him. That's a good try at his last name. That was a soft pronunciation. Um, I like what yeah, there. yeah. So, JJ is the head of titles tour department. Um, you know, aside from the fact that he works with tour pros, he played a, a pretty large role in the development of the new titles T-Series irons, which are coming out today yep. as this podcast is dropping. <laughs> JJ talks about his involvement Uh, working with tour pros, including Jordan Spieth, Will Zaltoros. JJ is one of my favorite interviews just because he always gives great insights. Smart guy. Definitely smart guy. Enjoy it.
1: We have a promo code offer here from Miura Golf. Since 1957, Miura has been making the world's finest forged golf clubs, and now you'll have the opportunity to capture that feel with an exclusive offer for our fully equipped listeners. Through the end of August, Miura is offering 10% off its entire online store using promo code FE10. That's promo code F-E-10. Head over to miragolf.com to build your new set today using promo code F-E-10.
0: All right, Tursky. Well, I would say next to Colin Murakawa, the biggest gear story from last week had to be Jordan Spieth and his Titleist T100 irons. Uh, We got to go to the source. Can't go to Spieth here, but we go to the next closest guy. (laughs) Titleist director of player promotions, JJ Van Wiesenbeck. What's going on, man? How are you?
3: I'm great. How are you too?
0: We're doing good. We've, we've got, we got a lot of questions for you, man. A lot of questions about the new product. Uh, T-Series is going to be coming out soon. I know a lot of rec golfers are chomping at the bit to get hold of it. Um, first things first, is this the most you've been involved in the creation process on a product since you've been a Titleist?
3: Yeah. I mean, I meet with our R and D department every week with feedback, and I've been doing that for about three years. Um, so we've seen some of that in TS and the original T100 irons and then TSI. So, you know, whether it's Stephanie on the Metalwood side, we're, we're spending a lot of time talking about shaping and face graphics and things like that. And performance variabilities that we want. We we try to do the same thing across all of our lineups with irons and wedges, et cetera.
0: It seems like there are a lot of players that are making the jump to, T100, T200, very early on in the process. And not to say that they normally don't, but it just kind of feels like this year they're really making the quick transition. Are you surprised with how quickly players are making the switch to T100 and T200?
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, drivers sometime, you know, if I tell a player, hey, I have a better looking sounding, flies farther, flies straighter driver, they're all in right away. Where an iron such a precision, you know, tool for these players that a mid-season change is often really difficult. We got to go through a lot of steps. You know, what yardage changes, what ball speed changes, what spin changes, what's the dispersion like? How's it work out of different lives? There's a lot of boxes to check with an iron versus a driver.
1: So for the old T100 irons, what were some of the notes of feedback you would have like pretty weekly? And would you say you have like a go-to guy out there as a tester who like you really value their feedback specifically?
3: Yeah, we, we try to be careful not to have the go-to one player because you want to make sure that you're not designing one iron for one player. You could get into a little bit of a box in terms of offset or shaping and things like that. So, you know, we're pretty spoiled. We have TBI, we have a facility in Woolburn in the UK. We utilize corn fairy players. We utilize, you know, products out on tour week to week. Um, Farmer's week is always a great week because we will put players through TBI and get feedback on prototypes from that standpoint. So, you know, that being said, the original T100, I used to joke with the design by uh, Jordan Spieth, AP2. (laughs) Uh, You know, his feedback has always been, I'm not good enough to play a blade. I just wish I was so from a look Crazy. and shaping and feel standpoint um we always kind of wanted to do that when we came out with original t100 we're at the commercial shoot we had just launched 620 mb as well jordan pulls them out of the bag and commented how beautiful they were and how good they felt when he hit them and then he missed one and lost seven yards he goes yep that's why i'm not good enough to hit these <laughs> and then you give them t100 and it's just the same yardage over and over and i think you know, watching the open, you saw how good his weight was into different pins when he's trying to shape it, how often he's pin high. And so we're always trying to make that best looking, best feeling iron for that type of players. And I think there's a broader, you know, whether it's a Will Zalatoris or JT Poston, and a lot of those players, hey, they pick up a blade and go, yeah, this is what a golf club looks like. But having all that technology under the hood to help that player, even at the highest levels. So is
1: workability of a blade overrated. I mean, we're talking about great ball strikers here that are going with game improvement irons instead of a traditional blade.
3: Yeah. You know, I think it depends on the player and the type Justin Thomas. Great example. He is playing blades, uh, 620 MBs, five through nine. Those are areas he wants to be able to work and shape the ball into pins. He put the new T100 4-iron in play because, hey, at the 4-iron, I'm looking for high launch, forgiveness, and those types of things. So I think there are breaking points in players' bags. Um, you know, everybody just breaks at a different spot.
1: How do you know where to break at? Like, me and J-Wall were just out testing uh, all the new T-series irons, and it kind of does get a little bit confusing about, okay, where exactly should I – cut these things off, especially because you have the T100, the T100S, and the T200, and they kind of all look pretty similar from a dress. So it's kind of like preference at that point, it seems.
3: So there's a couple easy ways. Uh, If you're at a fitting, like with you guys were out at TPI, is peak height is a really great way to do it. You know, I'm looking at my 8-iron peak height, my 7-iron peak height, 6-iron. all of a sudden you see your 5-iron peak height drop, Okay, well, let's look at a model that might be able to launch it higher at that. And the other way is ball speed gapping. So when you're trying to get that five, six mile an hour between clubs, if you see all of a sudden I only had two miles an hour when I went from a four to a three, okay, well, I need a jump because otherwise I have two clubs that are going to carry similar distances. So now, you know, should I look at a T200? Should I look at a U505? Should I look at a hybrid? should I look
0: at a high lofted fairway wood what what's testing like with Jordan Speeth and Will Zalatoris i mean they're they're two of you know two rising stars one of them obviously is a major champion the other one is is kind of trending that way as, as being kind of the future of of the sport what, what what do they how i guess how are they similar what kind of things do they prioritize when they're testing irons and what kind of makes them different when it comes to their testing process
3: yeah. So it was pretty fun. Uh, Nathan Fritz who uh, works on our corn fairy tour and I were able to show Will and Jordan the new irons at the same time, uh, at, uh, Cameron McCormick's place. And, uh, Will is still in the giddy new toy phase. Um, Ooh, ah! look how far I can hit this T 200. Look how high I can hit it. Look how low I can hit it. Um, just kind of working and playing and, and, what not? Um, he definitely uh, does get into the technical side and the number side after that. Um, but that's a big thing with Jordan is Jordan. We're part of the team. So I always like Cameron there when any time we do testing with Jordan, he can ask questions from a, a swing side and I can monitor numbers. And so the big thing is we kind of know the numbers we want to hit for Jordan. The big key there and with the new T100 that he found was his ability to do those numbers more often. So the consistency of uh, the spin, the launch, the speed, and those are the things as we work through the bag that we're trying to make sure that we're hitting all those numbers as often as possible.
1: I understand there's also some big uh, changes to the sole geometries this time around. What, what are some of those differences and what did you notice like last time that made you want to switch up for this time?
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, Aaron Dill and I travel every week together. So, you know, there's a lot of time in rental cars and airport lobbies and, and talking about golf clubs. And, you know, I think when you look at our Vokey lineup is how good are the wedges are everywhere. And I think we had gotten a little bit focused and a, a lot of golf club makers get focused on that driving range swing and go look what it did or off a mat into a screen So we really wanted to look at the heel and toe geometry and go, how is this golf club going to work at Augusta? You know, that's always a good way to evaluate a club is I have a downhill side hill at Augusta. Is this golf club going to perform for me? So we just kind of, again, talked as a, as an internal group and go, are there ways that we can refine things that aren't really going to change the user's experience at the range off a flat, perfect lie? But now once we put them in rough and uneven lies, can we make that golf club perform like it did off a level lie um, more often?
1: We were talking about Spieth uh, just now. I'm very curious because we were actually talking about this uh, last podcast. Back in 2019, he switches into the new T100 irons at the open. Now 2021, the new T100 irons, he also switches at the open, switching the week of a major. Why why does he pick the open to change it on your tinfoil hat? It was on last week. I want to hear JJ's answer. Well,
3: I mean, I think the one thing, and you talked about adoption of, of this golf club is we utilize feedback from our tour players. They're involved in the process. So the first time he's seeing it isn't the Mm -hmm. Monday of the open. He's been seeing it for two years. I mean, by the time we, you know, our R&D team, uh, With Marnie and Stephanie and Dan and Kevin, they they're working 24-7, 365. So they're they're already out in front of themselves on how do I make something great better. So we're always constantly trying to get feedback for what little things can we make it a little bit better about it. So they're so involved during the process, by the time two years comes around, a lot of times they're they're excited and they're ready for it. And if you think you have a product that's better, why wouldn't you put it in on the biggest stages?
0: Okay, that's true. I was just I was just hoping there was something like really insidery to it, but that, <laughs> that seems pretty straightforward and also fairly logical. So I guess I, I guess I can take my tinfoil hat off. Um, you know, one of the things that surprised me the most since T Series is launched is how quickly T two hundred has been accepted. You know, this is an iron where if you go back to the previous T series line, it's not really something that you saw in a lot of Tour Pros bags. And now we're seeing a lot of T two hundreds in the bags. How important was it to get that to give that iron a better player uh look and maybe a feel to make it a viable option out on tour?
3: Yeah, I think you know the big thing is that at Title we're utilizing the pyramid of influence, you know, we want top feedback, you know, Jessica Corda was uh, out at TPI and was able to give us feedback on T200 and and T100 during development. Um, we we want all of our product to be a viable option for a tour player to perform how they want it. So when they have feedback on feel and look, you know we're gonna take that and we think that that's gonna um, come across to your your you guys and your listeners is that if they're a better player, they might need ball speed, they might need launch but they still want it to look like a really good golf club and feel like a really good golf club. So that was kind of a, a key facet is when you look, you know, we talk about where's that breaking point in a bag. Well, it even breaks in the tour player's bag. You know, when they get to a two and three iron, they need some help. It's not, um, there's not a lot of blade two, three irons floating around the universe anymore. So we need an option at that point of a tour player's bag that increases launch increases ball speed but then we still got to check those big boxes of look and feel. And so we really push our R&D to make sure that all of our products have great feel. How do you make
1: the ones. decision between uh, T200 Long Iron and the new U505?
0: You stole my question. Yeah, so,
1: great minds.
3: Um, the, you know, that same thing. We're looking at ball speed. We're looking at launch. You know, that 505 is a little bit wider sole product. A little wider sole is going to drive the CG down increase launch a little bit. Um when I you saw the most played um utility iron at the Open was T200 and Titleist iron so that player isn't looking for quite that amount of launch. When you look at someone like Alonzo Griffin who uh is a little steep, he's looking for extra launch, you know, probably somebody um In certain golf courses could utilize, you know, a TSI 221 fairway wood that's real popular, but he likes that iron performance or getting a little bit more hybrid type performance in an iron chassis where the T200 is still going to give you launch and speed, but just not as much as five. What are the
1: actual windows that, you know, you like to see the ball come out of, or what's a typical pro window? I know this doesn't really relate to amateurs, but I'm curious about like, the actual numbers of say a driving iron, like what's too low, what's too high.
3: Yeah. So for something like the open, you know, Charlie Hoffman and I went through, you know, obviously a player who's, who's used hybrids for a long time, but was looking to take those out. His hybrid is normally around a 110 100, feet in the air. We were looking to bring it down to 90. Um, we showed him some options at 80 and just decided that's too low. You know, I think Some players are like, well, I I just want something super low to hit off the tee. Well, now you kind of gave yourself 13 and a half clubs. You have a club that only works in one situation. And as much as you're like, well, it's windy. I want to keep it down. Well, what happens when you turn around you have a downwind hole? So you want to find that balance. And so we look at those heights and those descent angles. And so, you know, we'll normally keep Charlie's descent angle with a hybrid around 44, 45 degrees. We were bringing that descent down to 40, 41 degrees. So he felt like, hey, if it is downwind, I can throw it up in the air a little bit. Or if it's off the tee into the wind, I'll be able to flight it and lower and with it. It's like,
1: like it. a seven iron. I know kind of people just accept the rule of if it's a seven iron, it should be spinning around 7,000 RPM. Six iron, 6,000. Does that still hold, hold up? And do tour players go by that?
3: So it's a good rule of thumb. The problem is the other two numbers. So... If you have 7,000 spin and your launch is 12, you're gonna have a really low seven iron. And then the other is what's your ball speed. So that's where descent angle and peak height are sometimes easier because they work in launch, spin and speed together. So those three numbers are gonna give you a flight. You know, I think that's the thing. Sometimes you can get uh, a little locked in on the numbers and you forget to watch the actual golf shot. And when you're dealing with better players, they have a visual window that when they look up, they expect the ball to be. I made swing X, I hit it Y. When I look up, I expect to see this. So that's where I've kind of over the years gone to that peak height, because you get a young collegiate player that grew up in Texas, they might show up on tour with their eye in that 85 to 90 foot range. And you have to kind of then talk to them about descent angle and go, well, when you start playing firmer golf courses, you're playing, you know, Honda or something like that, where the greens get really firm. We got to get that descent angle up. So the ball actually stops. So it's kind of a way to work the launch spin and speed numbers, but backwards a little
1: bit.
0: You know, I, I know golfers, gearheads, I should say, they tend to fixate on the big names. We do as well. And I feel like we're probably a little bit of a we take some of the blame. It's only natural. Um, but, but I want to mention a name here, Hank Lebiota. So Hank puts the irons in play at travelers in three straight starts. He's inside the top eight. How much validation do you and the entire team feel when you see a guy like Hank see immediate results on the golf course?
3: Yeah, Hank was a great one. Um, you know, I think you guys have been to enough events that there's not bad players out there. There's elite short games, mental toughness, but that line to that core PGA Tour player is so, it's such a fine line. I mean, you can walk up and down the range going, well, this player's going to win this week, and that player's going to win this week because you just watch a stripe show every week. And trying to find that nuanced thing to take such a good player that, you know, you know, it's in the bag and kind of get them over the hump. Uh, And so to see Hank make that change from AP2 to the new T100s and have that go on that run on that many birdies is just awesome to watch.
0: Okay, you're going over to the Olympics. I mean, it, it, I would say it would be really cool, but I know that things aren't going to be exactly like they were or maybe how you envisioned them. Uh, we just live in a world with COVID right now. What what are you going to be doing? Kind of walk us through what's it like the week of the Olympics? Kind of, is it pretty similar to what you do on a weekly basis? It, are you going to kind of be in a similar setup with a truck? Just just kind of walk us through a little bit how that's going to be like.
3: Yeah, so we have a, a tour van in Japan. It, it is significantly smaller Um, they are restricted on that tour on an exact size and shape. So it'd be a similar size to some of the smaller vans that you guys have been on on the tour, PGA Tour. Uh, And then it's a smaller field. But besides that, it's very much like a major. You know, we'll be over there. We'll have equipment. We'll, you know, get everyone outfitted with their Pro V1s. um, We'll make sure everyone has gloves, things like that. And then monitor their equipment. uh, The golf course, hey, do we need to do any wedge work? Are there any, you know, situations with the, the turf conditions, be there for any repairs, loft lies, grips, things like that. Um, and then any other adjustments for the players that we have in the field? And then we'll repeat that for the women's Olympic event. Who are well. some
1: players in the, in the men's field that we should look out for? Like some title guys that you might work with that, you know, a normal golf fan who watches week in, week out on the PGA tour might not know. Is there any
0: sleepers?
3: Well, I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess sleepers are are a little bit. Uh,
0: there are no sleepers bit, in this field.
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess there there would be a little bit. I mean, Justin Thomas is obviously my go-to answer on on all things. Um,
0: <laughs> He's not a sleeper, JJ. Um, I, I,
3: I'll give you. I mean, a little bit of a sleeper. I mean, Garrick Higo. Um, He's his well on islands. You know, it's a little, it's a big island in Japan, but he plays really well on islands. Um, so I think it'll be a really cool big stage for him. Um, that'll be interesting to see how he plays now that, you know, he's gotten some big events under his, his belt. Um, Cameron Smith, you know, gamer, you know, had a little bit of a rough day Saturday um, at the open, but he he plays big and big events so those would be kind of two names that maybe not every day across the screen but i think could have really great weeks and and special What weeks. are you
1: hearing about the Olympic course do you know much about the course and the conditions and what changes guys might be making
3: Uh i haven't yet we, um our i know Aaron Dill's talked a little bit with our team over there and um you know prepping a few wedge options for the week but Overall, I haven't heard as much about the golf course they again with a covid world, they were closing the golf course to everybody for a week to the for sanitation reasons and things like that so um, I'll be going over and and we'll be ready to do a bunch of work if needed and fingers crossed you know we're just gonna be double checking some lawful lies and getting everybody prepped and ready to go.
1: I have a kind of a loaded i guess crazy question here, but I'm just curious kind of looking oh, looking here. into your uh you're like crystal ball in the next maybe 15, 20 years. Do you think uh, steel iron shafts or graphite iron shafts will ever overtake steel iron shafts on tour? No. Okay.
3: Um, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe eventually, but they're, they can still do a lot of really great things with steel. You know, I think when you look at, dynamic gold, you know, the drop off after that product on tour uh, and then project X and the drop off after that product on tour, that it's a very steep mountain to climb. And you'd almost need players to grow up with graphite. You know, I think the one thing you'll see with top players is look at the shaft they were playing in high school. A lot of them are playing the same one, maybe stiffer, maybe a iteration version different, but, you know, you get to know in a club a lot. And when steel companies are making lighter steel and different types of steel, and they're putting technology in steel that I think you're going to, you need to see the swap happen, um, at the consumer level first, you know, where that player might grow up with something, um, and there's some really cool technology coming out in graphite iron shafts, but the performance and the consistency of the steel and the, the overall weight uh, that players are getting, it, it still seems to be um, working really, really well. Do you
1: think more amateurs should be making that swap right now?
3: Again, I think there's some cool stuff in steel, you know, the AMT mm-hmm. stuff uh, at the amateur level and even at the tour level is it, such a cool idea You know, why do I want a really heavy four iron shaft in my bag? So things like that, I think make a lot of sense, you know, and then having weight in a wedge, you know, to help you through the rough and around the greens and, and have that sensation, um, you know, more times than not, I think is player is at the amateur level trying to fit themselves on a screen. They're in a form and like, oh yeah, this person that I've never met before, they must swing like me. So I'm going to, those shafts are going to work for me you know when you look at tour there's shafts that are so unique depending on the feel for that person so the ability to go get fit and experience it all i mean how was your guys fitting at at TBI? did you get anything eye opening from that
0: yeah i mean i did i from from the fitting i mean i've been playing uh, a obon shaft for a while and you know, it, it's it's been good, but I actually found you know, Nippon product that that was actually pretty comparable to it, and um, hadn't really hadn't really considered that when I was until I was doing testing at a at a TPI. You know, a lot of it kind of like you mentioned, you're used to playing certain products. Going back to, I mean, it took me years to get out of the product I was playing in high school. Big surprise. So yeah, I mean, it, I, I totally agree with you. Getting fit is so important. Um, We preach it all the time on the podcast, but you just, you know, your game evolves, your body evolves. um, You just, you you need different things. And and sometimes what you've been playing for years just doesn't benefit you anymore. So yeah, I I think there were some things, some learnings that I got out of TPI that uh, I'll be able to kind of holster for down the road when I do some additional testing.
1: I think the biggest takeaway I had was how hard the decisions are to make between the irons. Like the T100 T is great. The T100S, you know, it's two degrees stronger, but it's producing so much height that it's like it's coming out of the same window. So you're kind of just making the decision between distance at that point. And it would just seem overwhelming to me to try to like buy these irons off the rack and do the mix of the sets because I had three different models within the set that I chose.
3: And I think that's the cool part, you know, when you talk about shafts is in the past, you know, a fitter might try to, well, we're going to have two or three different shafts in your bag. You know, we got your long iron one and then your mid one, and then you're trying to change flight with shaft. And now you can get a shaft that you know and love, and then use all your head models to create the distance gap and, and height needed um, to be able to play well.
0: Exactly. I just wish that Nick Dyer would have been a nice guy and let me take home that two iron. <laughs> I, I still, I still, I, I couldn't give him enough money to let me take home that two iron. You know, when, when you carry, when you carry a club, 250 yards, which I was just laughing when I saw the numbers, 250 yard carry on a two iron. I was like, man, can I just take this home? Nope. He's playing it by the book. I get it. Respect. Nick Geier was awesome. All the guys at a TPI, a lot of fun. Uh, JJ, thank you so much for your time. Safe travels over to you. No worries. Happy to. And that'll do it for episode 101 Mm. of Fully Equipped. If you're looking for more gear news, you can also find us on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. We always appreciate you listening to us ramble. We will continue to ramble next week. See you around.